0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the last Sunday, the fourth Sunday of the month of Kiak, where we're celebrating the preparation of the coming of the Lord Christ in his nativity. And today we read about the birth of St. John the Baptist. And after his birth, Zachariah, or Zacharias, his father, he says a prophecy um, uh, about the coming of the Lord. And he says in verse 72 of Luke chapter 1, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And so we see that one of the, the very important, critical, and foundational things that the Lord came to do was to offer mercy. But what is mercy? We speak a lot about mercy. What What is mercy? Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Meaning that we are deserving of a certain condemnation. We are deserving of a certain punishment. We're deserving of something to happen to us. Why? Because of the way that we treated God. God created for us paradise. God created for us perfection. God put us in this paradise and he offered us everything that would meet all of our needs. And yet we rejected him. We rejected his gift of paradise. We rejected and we went and chose to live our own way. And so for this reason, There is some condemnation on us. There is some punishment on us. There's consequences of sin because we willingly and out of our free will chose to turn our back on God and the gift that he made for us. And yet, God is coming and instead of giving condemnation, he is showing mercy. Meaning he is not giving us according to what we deserve, even though he has the power to do so. He has the power to do so and yet he chooses not to. He chooses to give another chance, another opportunity, in order for us to uh, come back again to him. And so one of the elements here of this prophecy, again, that Zacharias is saying, is to perform mercy, promise to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. He remembers the covenant that he made with man. He remembers the covenant with his people. He remembers that his people, he wants them to be his children, to be his people. He remembers the covenant, and he says, even though you sinned against me, and even though you turned your back on me. And even though you rejected the gift that I gave you, but I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to give you another opportunity and another chance again. And that is really what the story of the scripture is about. The story of the whole scripture is the, 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 the God demonstrating his love to mankind and then humanity responding to the love that God is showing them. So what are some ways um, that God shows us mercy? What are some of the ways that the, the, the mercy of God is manifest in our lives? The first is, He does not deal with us according to our deeds. He doesn't deal with us according to what we have done. In Psalm 103, verse 10, it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. So at the very basic level, God's mercy is that He does not punish us according to what we deserve, or what, what it is that we have, what we have done. He is very quick to accept repentance. Very, very quick. Think as a human being, whenever someone wrongs us, even when they come to apologize, we still are maybe holding a grudge. Maybe we have some anger toward them. Maybe we find it difficult to forgive. Maybe we are haunted with the the, the memories of the things that person has said or done, and it is difficult for us to let it go. But this is not God. God is not like this. God does not remember. God says, I remember your sins no more. God completely erases the sins that we repent of, that we confess of, and he forgives us of them. This is the first way that God shows us mercy. That the simplest act of repentance, of just coming to God and saying, I regret what it is that I have done, completely erases the consequence of that sin. For those who are in Christ, completely erases the consequence of that sin, completely erases the, 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 the condemnation that would come upon us because of the sin, because of the separation of God, it completely, removes, completely removes. That's the first way that God shows mercy. He didn't have to be that way. God could have very easily said, no, I I remember, I remember what you have done, and it is your fault because you have free will to choose, and you chose wrong. But God does not do that. God forgets, and he shows us, does not deal with us according to our deeds. The second way that God demonstrates mercy to us is that he chose to suffer and to die for us, not only just to die, but to die when we were undeserving. It says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning he did not wait until we reached some kind of holiness, righteousness, status. He did not wait until we had done some good or that we had demonstrated for a certain period of time that we now are going to change our ways and that we have decided that we are going to start doing the right thing. And then, only then, once we have done that, then he says, okay, now I will bring salvation now i will come and i will die for your sins for your salvation he did not do that he, he came and he died for us while we were still sinners while we were still in the in the maximum depth of sin he says no this is i don't want this to continue i want to redeem you i want to save you i want to bring you closer to me and again not because you deserve so not because you have done anything to deserve or to earn this gift of salvation, but because I love you, because of the love of God towards us. It was completely an act of love from his side, completely a proactive act from his side, not a reactive one. God did not see us and react. No, it was a proactive act. This is why we are the ones always reacting to the love of God. God demonstrates his love and we react to his love. We return the love that he himself gives us. You know, we we don't have any love in ourselves in order to love because God is love. So even the love that we show to God, what is the source of it? It is God himself that we are being filled with the love of God and that we are seeing his mercy, his love, his compassion on us throughout history and in our lives. And so we are responding with that same love in return. So that's the second way that the Lord performs mercy is he died for us while we were still sinners. The third way that the Lord performs mercy on us is that he is patient to bring us to repentance. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here, St. Peter, what he is speaking about is the Lord being slack concerning his promise to punish the wicked. This is what he's referring to. God says that he will punish the wicked. But maybe in our lives, and even when we cry out to God, when we have people who are harassing us, we have enemies of some sort, and we say, God, why are you allowing the wicked to, to remain? Why are you not Why are you not destroying the wicked? And God says what? It is not that he is ignorant. It is not that he has abandoned. It is not that he is not just. It is not that he does not want the wickedness to stop. But it is that he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That even the wicked, he wants them to repent. That even those people who are wicked, that he's patient with them. That he wants them to to have another chance, another opportunity. Because we find ourselves sometimes and have been maybe in the past among the wicked. That we would want for ourselves whenever we sin, that whenever we fall, that whenever we harm one another, that whenever we blaspheme, that whenever we, we, we fall into the various sins that we fall into, we do not want that in that moment of sin that God comes to us and he says, aha, I have caught you in your sin, and now is the time of judgment. We would not want God to do this to us. And so we also, when we forgive one another, we are doing acts of mercy. We are showing the mercy that God is showing to us. We're showing it to one another. This is the mercy of God, that he is patient, that even the sin that we commit a thousand times, ten thousand times, that he, he, he does not point us out and he say, I've got you. You, 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 you sinned too much. Sinning. Your sin was too much, and now so I will no longer hear your repentance. I will no longer accept it because you have sinned too many times. No, but actually that is not the way that God operates. He says, I am patient toward you. I am patient, patient, more patient than any human, more patient than we can imagine. That he has been patient with humanity for thousands of years, and he remains to be still patient, and he remains patient with each of us individually. This is the mercy of God and the love of God. Number four, the way he, he, uh, he performs mercy with us. He does not hold our past mistakes against us. In Psalm 25, verse 7, it says, Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Do not remember the sins of my youth. Okay, maybe now I've changed my ways. Maybe now um, I'm, I'm walking a different path. But I have many, many sins in my past, many sins. Maybe sins where I really, really harmed others and I, and I harmed myself. Maybe sins where I, I did things that were abominable in my past. And you were saying, "What? Well, do not remember my sins. Maybe we struggle ourselves to forget those sins. Maybe we struggle ourselves to deal with the, 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 the memories of the things that we did and the things that we said and the people that we hurt. And we look back at those days and every time we remember, we cringe from, from just the memory of the things that we, we did and the way that we were. Maybe in our immaturity, maybe in our, our ignorance, maybe in our selfishness. And yet God, he says what? I do not remember those sins. If you come and you repent of those sins, I do not remember those sins. Again, it is mercy. God is saying, I, I am not gonna dwell on the past. I'm not gonna dwell on who you used to be. Again, us may be completely opposite. How many times when we know of a person who at some point in their past did a certain thing that was not respectful, not respectable, that was, uh, that was wicked, and we never put it past them. We, every time we see them, that's what we remember. And we label people as such, you know. Like even, even the way that we speak about like the people who have repented, like in the scripture, you know, sometimes we, we refer like to the adulterous woman. but the, the adulterous woman is not adulterous anymore. She, 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 she was forgiven. Like she repented. I mean we call her that so that we know who we're talking about but do we consider her as do we consider her as an adulteress like do we consider when we see someone who is a sinner do we always remember them according to their sin because God does not do so God does not label us as such God looks at us as righteous as pure that when we repent all of our sins are removed from us number 5 God performs mercy because he remains faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. Second Timothy chapter two, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Again, this is the story of the Bible. The whole story of God's work with humanity is that God made a promise to us and he continues to fulfill that promise day after day after day after day, regardless of whether we hold up our part. Regardless of whether we have done, God remains faithful, and he gives us every opportunity. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't a judgment. There is a judgment, and there is a time of judgment. And That time of judgment for us in practice is going to be the end of our lives. But he gives us the opportunity from now until that point in order to change, in order to repent, in order to be enlightened, in order to, to hear the word of God, in order to be convicted. And he works with us again and again, even when we are not faithful. Yes, we know that people can be far from God, but it doesn't mean that God is far from them. It doesn't mean that God has closed the door on them. It doesn't mean that God is still not knocking on the door of their heart, trying to get their attention. Maybe they don't feel it and they don't hear it because they are so far, but God has not left. God has not abandoned. God has not just left the person completely without still trying to knock on the door and try to bring them again. The last point I wanna mention of the way that God performs mercy is that he forgives freely asking for nothing in return. And a really good um, example of this is the parable of the unforgiving servant. And this parable says what, therefore, this is Christ speaking about this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents is, a, is an amount that cannot be paid in an entire lifetime of a person who is like a laborer and a servant. Um, and when he had, uh, But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. This is the consequence of defaulting on this debt is that you cannot pay it, so you yourself have to be sold. You yourself have to be sold in order for uh, the, the money to be used to pay the debt. Okay. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, relieved him, and forgave him the debt. The point of this is that the servant had no way to pay the debt. Even when he said, forgive me, I will pay the debt, there was no debt that could be paid. The, 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 the servant, even if he gave every, all the money that he would ever make for the entire rest of his life, he still would not be able to pay back the 10,000 talents. So the idea here is just the fact that the servant was moved with a desire to repay, just the fact that the servant asked for forgiveness and mercy, the master gave it to him. The master gave him mercy. He says, you don't have to pay back anything. You know, what's, what's very striking about this is the master did not say, okay, just pay me back what you can. Just pay me back a little bit. Or let me put you on an installment program and you can pay back a little bit every month. There was no way that he could even approach to paying anything significant at all about this debt. And so the master just says, I forgive you the debt. Again, when the Lord Christ comes and he forgives us our sins, he says you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You're not halfway forgiven. You're not like 80% forgiven. You're completely forgiven. When he says, I, forg- I remember your sins no more, he says, I really remember them no more, and I will not judge you according to those sins. This is why the sacrament of confession is so important in the church. This is why repentance is so important in the church, because we will never be perfect, and we will never stop sinning. So what is the way of, of, of finding forgiveness, of finding compassion, of, of, of making use of the mercy of God that he is offering to us? It's to come to him, just as this servant did, and he says what? Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The servant fell down in humility. The servant fell down with a sense of, of, of regret of what is it that he had done, that he had this debt that he could not repay, and that he had acted foolishly. right? So we also come to God, and we say, oh God, we have acted foolishly. We have a debt that we cannot repay. We have a debt that no matter how hard I work and what I try to do to repay, I will never be able to repay it. So I ask for your mercy, and I believe that you are a merciful God. And if you pay attention in the liturgy or in all of the prayers that we pray, how much are we asking God for mercy? How many times do we say, Lord, have mercy? Every time we say this, it should not just be kind of a a, a phrase that we're just used to saying because it's so common. What we are asking God is, We cannot pay the debt that we owe you, so we ask you to forgive us of this debt. We ask you to have mercy on us so that we are not condemned because of what we owe you. Sadly, we often come to God not with this sense of humility that we owe God a debt and we're asking for his mercy. We come to him with a sense of entitlement. We say, God, you owe me things. You owe me this and this and this. I prayed for something. You didn't give it to me. Why? Uh, and, and, and maybe we become upset with God. God, why did you allow such and such to happen in my life and I become upset with God? If we really look at things in the right way, we find that actually God is the one with the right to be upset at us. God is the one who should be upset at us for what it is that we, done, what we have done. But he comes and he says, what? I remember your sins no more. He says, I have f- I have forgotten your sins. He says, I have had mercy on you and says the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. And this is what is the mercy of God. This is what the mercy of God looks like. And God also, as the parable continues, he says what, and then he wants us also to show mercy to one another. So we see in this beautiful um, story of the nativity and what it is that the Lord did is in his incarnation. He came to offer us forgiveness. He came to offer us mercy and hope even when we did not deserve it and at a time that we did not deserve it. So we ask that God always bring to our mind the, 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 the realization of the depth of the love of God and the mercy of God so that we walk in our life not feeling condemned, not feeling that, um, that we are trying to pay back a debt that we cannot pay, but that we've accepted that it is only through the the sacrifice of Christ, it is only through the mercy of God that we have any value and that we have any, um, any hope of salvation at all. And we are thankful to God for that, and we're thankful to God for all that he does for us. And so we should always meditate and contemplate on the mercy of God, and may God grant us always to perform mercy to one another, and glory be to God forever. Amen.